Open your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 15, verse 23. Romans 15, 23, as we are finishing our series on the name above all names and our mission conference theme. Of course, at the end of the service, we'll be receiving the faith promise cards, prayer promise cards, so keep that in mind. Now, Romans 15, verse 23, this is the Word of God. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, say I've longed for many years to come to see you, uh, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I've enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they also ought to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I've completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And then join me. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father, we're so glad that this is your word that's true and certain. And Father, it's a word that has commissioned us as your people, Father, to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole world. So, Father, give us an understanding of how we're to be involved with making the name above all names known. Father, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Rowdy students filled the auditorium in Glasgow ready for their latest guest speaker to come. Their custom was to greet those speakers with pea shooters, toy trumpets, rattles, and severe heckling. And they're ready for action, or so they think, when uh, one of their own alumni walks out. I'm not sure they were prepared for what they saw. Uh, this is, after all, the, the, perhaps the, the best-known man in the whole world at that time. It's the great missionary of the African continent, uh, a man who's taken the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, into the deepest part of Africa, walking perhaps as many as 11,000 miles over the last 16 years. Whether well, they're taken back by what they see. He does not have six-pack abs, uh, but rather he looks emaciated. His face is a dark, leathery brown, darkened by 16 years in the African sun. Deep furrows cross his forehead caused by suffering with a fever. He has scars from attacks by Africans and Turk slave traders. His left arm hangs useless at his side because of a lion attack. Uh, rheumatic fever has left him half deaf. A hanging tree limb, half blind, and a deafening silence falls across the auditorium. And the students then sit spellbound as David Livingston talks about his journeys and about the tremendous needs he's seen across Africa. And then Livingston's was his question. He says, shall I tell you what's sustaining the midst of all these tools, hardships, and incredible loneliness? It was a promise the promise of a gentleman of this, of this most sacred honor, and it's this promise. So what was the promise? 
Just hold that thought. You know, we've not been on an 11,000-mile journey across Africa, but we've been on our own trek these last six weeks, exploring how God would use us to make the name of all names known. Psalm 86.9, All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name, uh, is not just wishful thinking. It is the determined plan of God. The certainty that God will carry His plan through His people uh, who have experienced His saving grace frees us to take what are, from a human perspective, great risk. Not from God's perspective. He takes no risks. Only certainty. And as Paul writes to the Romans this letter, he put in his own words, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of Jesus' name among all the nations, he's taking a great risk. He's going to Jerusalem to deliver this offering that he's been collecting uh, as he's carried out the gospel. And all along the way, prophets warn him that he's about to face arrest when he gets there and perhaps death. But Paul takes the risk because of what he shares in common with David Livingston. And that is, they both know how to live like they are dying. Uh, so that people of all nations will come to know the name of, of all names. And so do we live, live like we're dying for his name? That's the question. Let's go to the text and see. First, we live like a dying uh, by taking the risk of going. Pick it up in 23. But now since I no longer have any room for work in these regions... So I've longed for many years to come to you. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. So Paul's willing to take the risk of uncharted territory and head off to Spain with the gospel. He'd said back in verse 20, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named. And so that desire propels Paul to take the gospel to places, new places throughout his ministry. Let's be very candid. Are we willing to take the risk of letting go of this culture with all its comfort and conveniences and going to another culture? Let me put the question this way. Should an only son leave his father in the finest of surroundings and go to a dirty, grungy world to serve people? Should a king leave his throne to serve criminals and thieves? Yet David Livingston observed, God had an only son, and he made him a missionary. Now again, for God the Father, that was no risk, but it was a very painful plan. And he knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew his perfect son would be killed on the cross, suffering an agonizing death for sinners like us, experiencing all the wrath of God towards all the sins of all his people. Yet Jesus came and he laid down his life on the cross. That whoever believes in him should have everlasting life. Now what about us who are physically able? Are we ready to take a risk to go ourselves? What about sending our children or our grandchildren, uh, our parents? Are we willing to take the risk of being separated from them? Friends, this is not some romanticized adventure just ask David and Marcia. Or ask Paul. Paul wrote about his imprisonments, countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received to the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. 
A night and a day I was adrift at sea, in danger from rivers, robbers, my own people, from Gentiles. Danger in the city, the wilderness at sea. Many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Now given those risks, why would anybody want to go? All right? And the answer is because the immortal, invisible, God only wise commands us. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so yes, that means going around the world, Europe, Asia, the Caribbean. It also means venturing down the hallway uh, into the youth and children's wing and nursery. Friends, the Great Commission is geographical, but it's also generational. And we cannot do one without the other. If we go around the world and not down the hallway, we're going to soon have nobody to go around the world. Quite frankly, that's what happened in England. If we go down the hall, not around the world, then our message seems rather hollow and pointless. The pipeline to the global spread of the gospel starts with our going, our children, our grandchildren, so there are more and more worshipers from more and more nations glorifying the name of God. So what do we risk going? I think all of us need to pray about that. All of us must be willing to participate in reaching the next generation. That's not optional. That's mandatory. You know, there, you know, there really should be a waiting list for people wanting to teach children Sunday school and on Wednesday nights. Uh, uh, the Great Commission, obeying it here, means keeping the nursery, and it means going to Bulgaria. All right? To live like we're dying, we take the risk of going and getting involved. And the second risk to live like we're dying is the risk of giving. Verse 24, I hope to see you in passes to go to Spain and be to be helped on my journey there by you. Uh, now, many consider Romans a, a missions fundraising letter because of this verse. Uh, Paul's clearly asking for financial support for his trip to Spain. Uh, and the fact is, missionaries cannot go unless they're backed financially by people who have the, uh, the privilege, the resources, the opportunity, and the responsibility to give. This calls for radically giving our money, investing our money, uh, so a radical reorientation of our lives. Faith promise giving or faith promise investment to support missions is a model of giving that we see in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 used for the family relief offering. Uh, Paul Koistra challenged us last week with this passage, how it, how it challenges the wealthy Corinthians to keep on pace with the, the, the very poor Macedonians in sacrificial giving. Uh, Faith promise is, is above and beyond what we give to the church through the general fund. The faith part comes as, as we trust God to give us money that, uh, so that we can give it to missions. It comes from praying and asking God, how much should we give? Promise that amount. And then, and then as the year goes by, praying that God will provide it. Watching how it does it. Sometimes it's unusual ways. An inheritance or a surprise tax refund or a bonus at work. There was one couple here a couple years ago that uh, the man lost his job. And then when their faith promise was due and they were wondering what was going to happen, they got an unexpected check in the mail for a, a long-forgotten property issue, insurance issue, for the exact amount of the faith promise. But more often, 
Faith promise giving comes from cutting back on our living expenses. So we can give more to missions for people to, to hear the gospel because we value Jesus more than we value things. Oswald Smith spoke of this as creative frugality. Maybe not buying brand name shoes or clothes. Maybe going without something we think we need. Uh, it may mean God making your washing machine last for 23 years like he did one of ours. Praying that, praying that for the current machine, by the way. Um, what I can share firsthand is that God provides. You know, Livingston said, I will place no value on anything I have or may possess except in relation to our Lord Jesus Christ and His kingdom. That's why Paul challenges the Corinthians to excel in the grace of giving like the Macedonians. So last week, the Macedonians were excited about uh, and found joy in the privilege of, of giving. I mean, do we? And it is a risk, but only from a human perspective. There's no eternal risk to investing in the kingdom of God. May I suggest nothing gives a greater eternal reward. And you do not have to report those eternal gains on your income tax return. Good news. Certainly we should be aware there are far greater risks for investing our money in today's economic environment. And friends, giving also involve, gives us frontline involvement with the missionaries we support. As we said, where our treasure is, there our hearts will be also. So it becomes the strong motivator for the third risk to take, and that's the risk of praying. Verse 30, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. They say, why call prayer a risk? Well, you've got to risk using your time. And for a lot of us, that's a very precious commodity. Um, it takes time and effort to, to learn what to pray for and how it takes time to pray for the ministry here, for missionaries around the world. In, in an ever busier, faster-paced world, it's a risk to take some of our time and spend it in prayer. And again, requires a radical reorientation of our time. But Paul says striving together as well, it takes energy to pray. But God, as I look over my user time, I, I do need to sacrifice more time. Corey Tim Boone rightly asks us this question. Uh, is prayer my steering wheel or my spare tire? Now, I often quote the article of, uh, of an article by one of my former professors, David Wells, that prayer is rebellion against the status quo. And see, when we pray for the advance of the, of, of the gospel, we are rebelling against the status quo that currently exists among the Iraqis and the Iranians and the Afghans and the Germans and the Chinese and the, 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 the Croats and the French and the Bulgarians, the Thais. I could go on and on and on. And yes, the people of Chestnut Mountain as well. And I suppose that, that looking at how God used David Livingston, we should not be surprised that when he was found dead, he was kneeling beside his bed in his customary prayer posture. Maybe you remember we've talked about it before. Marco Polo went on his journey to the east. And two missionaries went with him. But they dropped out on the way. But Polo went on and he met north of Beijing in 1266 with Kublai Khan, uh, the grandson of, of Genghis Khan. And then Polo returned with an amazing request. Kublai Khan wanted the church to send 100 missionaries to China. 
He wanted, and I quote, wise men of learning in the Christian religion and doctrine, fitted to teach the Chinese and Mongol people. They should know well how to argue and how to show plainly that the Christian faith is better than theirs and more true than all the other religions. And if the church could send such missionaries, Kublai Khan promised that he and all his potentates would become men of the church. I mean, friends, that's one of the greatest opportunities in the history of the world. And one missionary went. One. Giovanni of Monte Carvino. And he arrived in Beijing nearly 30 years later in 1294. On the way, he stopped in India and led 100 people to Christ. Within 10 years of the time he was in, in China, there were 6,000 Christians among the Mongols and the Chinese. But it was much after this that the, the Islam made its way into Mongolia. And you cannot help but wonder, what if the church had prayed in the 13th century for God to raise up laborers for China? How would the history of the world have been different if 100 missionaries had gone to China in the 13th century? You know, God's inseparably linked the carrying out of the Great Commission with the prayers of His people. That's what Jesus said, that the fields are ready for harvest. He said the result should be we should pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. That's why Paul asked the Romans to pray for him. That's why our missionaries must have our prayers, our Sunday school teachers, youth leaders. Um, as we pray for the missionaries we send out, we need to be aware of their prayer needs. Uh, be praying about what God wants in our own lives. So that we're involved uh, more than ever in fulfilling the Great Commission, geographically and generationally. We can pray like David Livingston when he was a young man. He wrote this, Lord, send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me. And sever any ties that bind me, except to thy service and to thy heart. I mean, that's a bold prayer. As a youngster, you recall, he, he wanted to go to China. Um, he was ready to go, and that's when the opium war shut down those doors. So he goes to hear Robert Moffat speak about the work in Africa. And that famous sentence called Livingston that pivotal day. Moffat said, I've sometimes seen in the morning sun the smoke of a thousand villages where no missionary has ever been. Villages where people are without Christ, without God, and without hope in the world. As one of Livingston's biographers put it, uh, the picture embodied in those stupendous words captivated his entire being and fired his soul with a passion which only death could quench. See, Livingston grasped there was no worship of the true king ever had ever taken place in those villages. No glory given to his name. No delight in Jesus and his love. No joy of forgiveness of sins. So he desired to go and tell. We've got to take the risk and pray for God to show us where to go. But we need to remember what Livingston suggested. He cautioned. Do we pray, thy kingdom come, but never here am I, send me. Send me cross-culturally, send my children, send my grandchildren. Send me down the hall, send me into the community. We can pray, pray a risky prayer like that because of, of, of a promise. The promise is sustained Livingston. Of course, the promiser was Jesus. 
And the promise that he made is a promise for all of us that enables us to take the risk and to live like we're dying. Or from a worldly perspective, is it a risk to get out? Yes. Is it risky to give? Yes. Is it risky to pray? Yes. But Jesus made this promise. Lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the world. It's the promise of his presence that enables us to live like we're dying. To be used by God to make the name above all names known. The assurance that Jesus was with him prompted Livingston to go and seek out the thousands of unreached African villages. Again, when Jesus is with you, there's no risk. And we can live like dying because we are. But friends, His grace is sufficient. His command is clear. The promise of triumph is certain. And the privilege to participate is ours. So what about us? Maybe there's a line, uh, uh, not a lion, but this is a line, uh, okay? Uh, from the movie The Fight Club will help us with the perspective. This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. Now, given that, will we pray? Will we give? Will we go? I mean, the fact is, we're going to talk. Will we talk to God in prayer? We're going to spend money. Will it be for our pleasures or, or God's advancement? We're going to go someplace. We'll be cross-culturally. We'll be in the community. We'll be down the hall. Where is Jesus with us? Several years back, country singer Tim McGraw and I had a relationship for years with his father, uh, the former Major, Major League Baseball player, Tug McGraw. And when they finally established a, re- a close relationship, that same year, uh, Tug developed cancer uh, and he died. And some of you remember, ironically, that Tim had a current hit song at the end that, that gave a perspective of a man whose life was being cut short by cancer. Now, he didn't write the song, but it certainly was descriptive of a conversation he could have had with his father. Maybe you remember this, uh, the first verse, course. He said, I was in my early 40s with a lot of life before me, and one moment came, came that stopped me on a dime. I spent most of the next days looking at the x-rays, talking about the options, and talking about sweet time. And I asked him when it sank in that this might really be the end, how to hit you when you get that kind of news. Man, what did you do? What did you do? He said, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I loved deeper. And I spoke sweeter. And I gave forgiveness that had been denying. And he said... Someday, I hope you get the chance to live like you are dying. And see, that's it. His perspective he was dying changed the way he lived. Uh, and we all need to live like we're dying because the reality is, I don't care how old you are, we are all dying. All of us are. All of our lives are ending one minute at a time. And I got to say, skydiving and bull riding don't hold much attraction for me. Not, not going to happen, all right? Um, but for all of us, getting out the gospel, using us, should. We want to maximize the opportunities we have here for the kingdom of God. Are we? Are we living like this world will pass away? Or like we think this world will go on forever? Do we have a passion to make known the name above all names? 
Does it show by the way we go, the way we pray, and the way we give? Let's pray together. Father, we're about to uh, fill out faith promise cards uh, and prayer promise cards. Father, our missionaries desperately need our prayers and they need our gifts. Or maybe willing to give of our time and our treasures. That indeed, the name of all names, Jesus Christ is Lord, might be made known. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.